The world we live in is governed by unjust patriarchal systems, but women in every nation have found their own ways to engage with the institutions in power and to enter them to bring about change that improves the way they govern. I'm Chavi Sachdev, and this is the second episode of the Advocacy Toolkit podcast from World YWCA, looking at successful campaigns that women and young women have organized in recent times and talking about the stories behind them. In today's podcast, I'm going to look at policy action, how to get people to participate in changing laws and governmental processes. Even though women make up 51% of the human population, our presence in the ruling systems of any nation has been negligible. According to the Interparliamentary Union, as of October 2019, the global participation rate of women in national-level parliaments is just 24.5%, which is far short of even the modest goal of 30% that the United Nations set back in 1995. It can be even harder to achieve women's representation in other institutions that affect policy, such as bureaucracy and civil services, courts, the police, and military and diplomatic services. When women do manage to enter these institutions, though, they can affect policy in measurable ways. Shakira Chunara is an independent consultant in the field of development and public health in South Africa. My life's work and my purpose and passion is really centered around public health. And I work on both the research side, the advocacy side, and sometimes even in different policy spaces on, on such a range of issues from gender equality to HIV, um, looking at non-communicable diseases such as diabetes and obesity. And a few weeks ago, I actually launched a development consultancy. I've been for the past two years part of the African Union Youth Council. The African Union was established in 2002 and has both political and administrative bodies. In 2018, it had a competitive application process to bring on 10 youth envoys to form a youth advisory council. It was a historic appointment, but ultimately a disappointing one for Shakira, who found that she and her peers were reduced to window dressing instead of being actually listened to. Because really, you're a young person getting into a big continental body. You may have this special appointment status. But the truth of the nature is that you're very, or you're at the bottom of the ladder. Um, you're appointed to really tick that checkbox. Shakira's observation echoes that of Jayatma Vikramanayake, the United Nations Secretary General Envoy on Youth. In a recent interview with the World YWCA's She Speaks platform, Vikram Nayake said, it is heartening to see many countries, including youth advisors, in areas like climate change. Institutional platforms are being put together to include young people in advisory and consultative processes, she said. But, she continued, when it comes to decision-making process, we still have a long way to go towards engagement. Shakira, who is the AMREF Africa AHAIC Commissioner for Universal Health Coverage, discovered during her time at the African Union how much it differed from the culture of research or advocacy NGO spaces in its attitude to policy making. Um, what I also found is that there's this organizational culture in the policy space where everything's either really slow 
It's very donor dependent. It's very resource dependent. And there isn't this culture where um, when you're in the research or the advocacy space, you're actively tracking policies and you're looking at how you can shift things and how you can push it and renew the policies. Whereas once you're in the actual policy space, um, there are all these political relationships that you need to be aware of. There are all these... um, political processes you have to go through. So even though I'm involved or um, appointed at a continental level, because I'm not a political young person or youth person or a young person who's politically aligned in South Africa, um, I struggle to get into the key processes in South Africa. I really tried different angles, different things, working with different people. But what I also found was that I've entered a large big bureaucratic organization (laughs) and you will only be involved if you're invited to be involved in something and you can push and push and push but you would probably push forever um, until you're involved in something. The first thing that Shakira suggests people do when they want a policy change is to get skilled at the tools for analyzing a policy's effectiveness and scope in its current form. Policy analysis, it's not just something for, you know, to conduct as an expert. I think it's a powerful tool for young women and girls to use as well. And what this essentially involves is looking at um, who developed the policies, how were the policies uh, developed, um, what were the commitments. That's very important for us to track. What are the commitments? What are the promises made? What are the activities laid out in the policies? And it's important that when you conduct a policy analysis to to really look at the fine print in each of the policies and to look at it very, very critically. And finally, what are the resources that are attached to this? And so conducting a policy analysis allows one to look at um, what's the strength, what's the weakness, importantly, what's the gap? And once one identifies the gap, um, it can either be used for a policymaker uh, to say this is how you strengthen your policy, because often most of these projects are also commissioned by policymakers and decision makers. But also these gaps can be used and, and these are also often commissioned by advocacy organizations. And so they use these gaps that we find in policy analysis to lobby governments, to lobby regional and continental bodies, and to uh, refine, renew, and strengthen policies. The other direction in which Shakira suggests policy analysis should happen is from the bottom up, which is to say, by understanding the stakeholders' responses to the policies. I would still come back to the research and the evidence being absolutely critical. And I always describe the the policy-making process as pieces of a puzzle which come together. And finding the evidence is crucial. It's also interesting to work on the other end of the spectrum, which is policy implementation, um, especially in healthcare. So last year, for example, I was working in different sub-Saharan African countries where I got to sit down with young people and communities and key and vulnerable populations to speak about their health care. Because the evidence which comes either from uh, patients' voices themselves, young women and girls themselves, survivors of sexual and gender-based violence um, uh, themselves, etc. And so it's really important that we, we have sound 
research because that will help an, a policy to be passed. And, and what this is is really you, you're now starting to tie the different policies that are made, um, different implementation mechanisms, but then also understanding the beneficiaries' understanding um, and experiences and their thoughts about implementation. And this is also some of the work I'm involved in to understand how communities and patients and others um, really uh, benefit from policy implementation or the lack thereof. And once you sit down at this level, I think it's, it's such an important level in society because um, you start to understand where the real gaps are in the policy. Shakira also says that knowing what changes you want is only one part of the battle. The other is knowing how to get that change implemented, and that involves the skill of politicking. Forming a connection with the stakeholder who is most likely to want what you want is the best way to go about it, she says. Here, the power of movement building, as we understood from the first episode, helps in gathering enough evidence from ground and mobilizing for change. Networking plays a critical role as well. And so, for example, if you want to have a carefully mapped out advocacy plan to change a policy, you would use the evidence, you would use the policy analysis, then you would engage key stakeholders um, and you would push the agenda. It's important for you to identify which other stakeholders you want to target because you need to find a stakeholder who will have time to listen to you, who isn't probably very high. Sometimes we make the mistake of going for the person highest. It's actually mid-level or entry-level where you'd find more help in a policy, um, policy body like the African Union, for example. You're not going to get the chance to engage directly with the chairperson. You may speak to some of his staff in the bureau of the chairperson. One organization I worked with created power mapping where they put down the different stakeholders, the different departments. Um, and I think that's so important because sometimes in engaging just one arm of the policymaking body, you could upset another arm or you could leave behind another arm. And you may make substantial progress, but as you're about to pass something, then you will find that the person you've upset or the body or the department you've upset will, will halt you in your tracks. So I think that's also important. Shakira recognizes the diplomatic skills involved in cultivating a relationship with the policymaker you want to influence while staying committed to holding them accountable. Always a tough space to navigate, especially as a youth leader. It's also a bit tricky because sometimes I've witnessed and I've observed and I've seen for a fact that there are people trying to change policies, but to have, but who also have buddy-buddy relationships with policymakers. And then we don't see policies being changed. So there's a fine line between, yes, we will engage. Yes, we have a good working relationship, but I will put pressure on you. Another tactic Shakira uses is to figure out the best ways to get additional leverage, often by using a third party like the media for even more visibility. Media and social media these days have played a special role in applying and amplifying pressure. Policy advocacy can use many forms to have policies implemented. I mean, I end up saying that I also think that policymakers will, will, will go through processes and, you know, things would, would pretty much go very smoothly. But what's the main thing that catches a policymaker's attention? That's unfortunately bad publicity. 
<laughs> and, um, and once something makes it into the media, that's when we really see policymakers sitting up and answering questions. And that's when they get their teams into, into gear to say, um, how are we going to sort this out? What are we going to do about this? And so, for example, when, when I was part of a group who wrote a letter to the, the chairperson of the African Union to talk about the tokenistic role, we did so when it was the Heads of State Summit, um, which is a, one of the biggest gatherings of the AU, to go out in the media and speak about our experiences. So when I was struggling in the African Union, I had begun to post about it on social media. And a lot of young people in South Africa reached out to say, how can we help you? What support do you need? And this is what I then considered my constituent. And I would engage with them as I went to the African Union and raise my concerns. But also when I came back, I reported back to my constituency. So how do you mobilize people or supporters for what you're doing is another thing. And the more support you have, um, the, the, it's probably more likely that you will get the policymakers' attention. Moving to West Asia, I also talked with Dua Sliman in Palestine, who has worked with the YWCA there for seven years on women and youth programs. Dua spoke to me in Arabic, but her colleague Selina Salame acted as her interpreter. Working in Palestine on policy is especially complicated because not only is there the national government of Palestine to consider, but also the highly militarized policies enforced on Palestinian women by the occupying Israeli forces. The Palestinian context is a bit different because uh, we are not only facing challenges on the social and economic uh, factors, it is also on the political factors which increases the violence and increases the um, factors that play in the gender-based violence issue and uh, dealing with women and so on. Yes, also the absence of the um, council the Legislative Council uh, is playing a major role that the laws are not effectively done or uh, used. The route they chose to affect policy change regarding domestic abuse was to document the stories of the women they were working with. They wanted to present these stories in a way that would give the issue more urgency and increase the societal pressure for change. Um, we've done so many documentation on cases on uh, women who suffered from violence. So these testimonies were taken to uh, make a, a film, a documentary film, and um, reflect all the violence that the women face in Palestine and how to... Um, pressure the government to make a change as this is real uh, real cases and it's uh, it's projecting uh, the lifetime the life stories of these women we headed to the ministry of social affairs and a palestinian maintenance fund in order to give us the some of the women who are open to share their stories without being hesitant and uh, talk about their violence based on their experience. Uh, as a lot of women go there to talk about their um, violence and how they face these vi violence. 
after communicating with these two um, bodies, uh, they suggested a list of names to contact them and uh, take a final approval from them uh, and why we are doing this film. Screening the films worked in both directions. It reached upward towards the government and gave the people in charge of policy a better understanding of the issues. We have once uh, had a meeting with um, some representatives of the government and we projected the film uh, to talk about this issue. And uh, it was uh, such a good, we had such a good feedback from it as uh, we need to end this, we can continue with um, seeing these realities and uh, be silent about it or um, act as if it doesn't happen. And screening the film for the YWCA's communities and leaders made them feel seen and represented. This is an extremely critical part which connects the policy ask back to the communities. Some people get amazed with the dramatic um, or the, the lifetime um, expressions of it. Like, this is too true to, to be just a film. And they can relate to, to it very deeply. Uh, they also, uh, some of the women who, sh who, seen, who have seen the film uh, approached us that, yeah, this, this happens like every day. And we know a lot of women that experience um, uh, such violence. And um, um, what you have projected in the film was really strong because uh, none talk about it openly and easily and this should be shown to the public more often and uh, accept that you are part of the violence if you don't talk about it and you maintain this approach within the community if we don't expose such um, actions and uh, make it accountable to the people who do this to us. Dua knows that achieving policy change is a long process and requires multiple and varied methods. So the first thing is to use multiple approaches and methods. Uh, as you can see, we have used uh, workshops, we've done workshops, discussions, we projected the film, we tried to make a demonstration, we tried to go for uh, the decision-making uh, meetings, and so on. Second of all, they should believe in the case that they are working on and uh, not give up no matter uh, how long it takes because uh, advocacy is already a long process. And if you want to see actions on the ground, you have to believe in the idea and uh, advocate for it, for it as much as possible. Speaking from South Africa, Shakira agrees. It's so complex, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we can't do it. I think we can definitely do it. It's just about how we do it um, and what are the skills and the, you know, the support that we give to young women and girls who are activists uh, to really take up the fight. But also to teach them that the fight is sometimes not short, it's not quick, it's there for the long haul, but it's very, very possible. Before you move on to the next episode, take 10 minutes of your time to reflect on the following. If you are a young leader, how has your policy advocacy journey been? If it hasn't started, 
what key steps will be taken now that you understand from the lessons of other young leaders. If you are an intergenerational leader, how is policy advocacy different than when you were a young leader? In your capacity as a supporter of youth leadership, how will you provide young leaders with a safe environment to practice their policy advocacy, keeping an open mind to learn from their experiences? By mobilizing communities for action, these young women are championing the causes that matter to them. In conflict or in crisis, young women in all their diversities form the center of change that World YWCA advocates for. You can find out more about our work on our website. Our handle is World YWCA on all social media. This podcast series has been funded by contributions from Norwegian Church Aid and Y Global with support of young leaders on ground. A Sonologue production.